0: you are locked on magic your daily podcast on the orlando magic part of the locked on podcast network your team every day
1: hello everyone today is december 3rd 2017 or if you're listening on locked on magic today is december 4th 2017 my name is phil prospenreich i'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com, I'm the host, of course, of Locked on Magic. here, here on the Orlando Magic Daily Facebook Live for today's edition of Locked on Magic and, and the Orlando Magic Daily Facebook Live. We do this every Sunday at around noon. I'm a little late today, so uh, hold me hold me to the fire there. Uh, today on the show, I want to talk all about the first quarter of the season. I'm not going to bother with the game against the Warriors. You can read my stuff on OrlandoMagicDaily.com about the defense and some of the disconnect there. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, in the coming 30-40 minutes here as we do our show. But today I want to just kind of take a step back and talk about the first quarter of the season. Yes, the Orlando Magic are already through one quarter of the season. And it does feel very, very early. And that's because the, schedule, the regular season started two weeks sooner than normal. And I think a lot of teams are still kind of getting into the rhythm and getting used to this whole new schedule. There's a lot a lot going on that I think a lot of people weren't uh, weren't quite prepared for. Uh, On that front, I think that's why we saw some funky results, particularly at the beginning. And and might Honestly, I've heard this theory, and I don't think it's incorrect. It might honestly be a reason why the Magic got off to such a hot start. Um, They caught a lot of teams by surprise. Teams kind of weren't physically ready, and now we're kind of seeing them fall back to where we expected, expected them to be. But let's push that aside. Let's just talk about the first quarter of the season. What have we learned about the Orlando Magic in the first quarter of the season? Well, I think we can safely say, and, and I thought Jeff Weltman said this very well before Wednesday's game on on ESPN Radio. There's really been two seasons to this Orlando Magic season in the first in the first half. There was the first 12 game stretch when the Magic weren't an eight and four, and honestly, I would say the first eight games specifically, when the Magic were six and two, uh, was just an incredible run. Orlando got off to such a hot start; they got off to they shot the ball so extraordinarily well. Uh, they were able to get out in transition; they were able to be everything that people thought they could be, and that was great. I mean, obviously, everything seemed to work. Evan Fournier was making shots. and Vucevic was making shots. Aaron Gordon had emerged as a three-point shooter. Everything seemed to be working really, really well. Even the defense was playing well, even though the Magic were giving up a lot of offensive rebounds, giving up po- points in the paint. you know, Some of the things that we're seeing are consistent problems now. They were problems then, but the Magic were able to scramble and, and play with a lot of energy and, and make up for it. Obviously, everyone knew that wasn't sustainable. The shooting numbers weren't sustainable. The defensive numbers weren't sustainable. Everyone knew the fall was going to come. And I thought Orlando was beginning to settle into who they were going to be, about a 500 team, uh, after that 6-2 start. And they were 8-4. They were 2-2 they were two two in, their, in their previous four games. And then the losing streak happens. And Orlando is in a nine-game losing streak. They can't seem to get themselves out. They can't even seem to compete sometimes. And it it, it and, and I mean Evan Forney mentioned it again with after the even after the win Wednesday it, it just kind of felt like oh here we go again. Orlando still has some very deep seated issues and I think we saw that I think we saw that in that nine game losing streak the competitiveness issues where the team just could not get themselves to compete at a high level every single night, um, the kind of woe is me here we go again issues. Where team the team gets punched and they do not respond or they kind of they kind of put their heads down. You could kind of feel the body language droop in those moments. And the team just then it, it, I always say this: it, it didn't feel like anyone was being selfish. It just felt like peop, everyone was trying to do too much. Like they were they were so determined to get out of the losing streak that they put it on themselves to do it instead of trusting each other more. And I think that was that was discouraging. In a lot of ways, so you know that the team the team has had two completely different seasons through the first quarter of the season. But honestly, at the end of the day, it feels like the Magic are exactly where we all expected them to be. The Magic are, I think, nine and fourteen right now. I'm obviously, a little bit past the quarter mark of the season. The Magic are nine and fourteen today, Sunday, not nine and fourteen Monday because they'll have played a game by then. Uh, but they're nine and fourteen on Sunday, and. If you would have told me that would have been the Magic's record at the beginning of the season, I would have probably said, that's pretty good. The Magic are are probably in the playoff race. They're probably covering around the front. We knew the early part of the schedule was very difficult. The Magic have been putting this number out. I I can't find their evidence for it. But the Magic have been putting out this number that they had the second hardest schedule in the NBA to this point, considering back-to-backs, strength of schedule, opponent strength, all that jazz. Uh, the only thing that I've seen is um, ESPN.com's RPI ratings percentage index, which is kind of based off the college model, I believe. Um, the only thing I've seen is the Magic have, have had the eighth hardest schedule. So the Magic have played a difficult schedule. But entering Sunday's games at nine and fourteen, the Magic are three games out of the final playoff spot. Perhaps the 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 the, the number to make the playoffs is going to be a little bit higher than people thought. I mean, the Knicks are hovering around five hundred at eleven and ten. In the eighth seed, the Pacers are 12 and 11 at the ninth seed. Miami's 11 and 11 at the 10th seed. I don't have my standings board here because um, I wanted to make sure we get, got started at least somewhat on time. So it, it, it definitely feels like the Magic are within striking distance. And honestly, I think that's all you can ask for at this early stage of the season, especially with the schedule that the Magic had. So where the Magic are isn't what's uncomfortable, it's how they've gotten there. That's been very, very uncomfortable. The fact that the Magic got off to this hot start and then came back down to earth and came back down to earth in a way that was reminiscent of last year's difficult play, of last year's just struggles, just absolute poor play on the court. The Magic know they have to be better. I mean, you hear it from them all the time. We've got to play better defense. We've got to play with more energy. We've got to play with more intensity. I mean, yeah, they're really I mean, I wrote this after Friday's game against the Warriors. It really does seem to be a little bit of a disconnect on how to resolve the Magic's problems on defense. But everyone knows that the problems are there. And obviously, the Magic could stand to be much better on both ends of the floor. Generally right now, and I, I didn't think we'd be saying this, I think the Magic's offense is relatively fine. I think the Magic are about a league average offense, which should be enough to get them where they need to be. You run through... Some of the major statistics at this point of the season, the Magic are 12th in the league in offensive rating, 105.4 points per 100 possessions. That should get your, get some good work. The problem is the Magic are 27th in defensive rating, 108.4 points allowed per 100 possessions. And on top of that, they've had the worst defense in the league since no pretty much since the beginning of November. That's the part that has to change. Everyone knows that's the part that has to change. And I think... The Magic have to have an eye on playing stronger on the defensive end if they're going to make any waves this season. Like I said, I think there's relief coming. The Magic have played a very bunched-up schedule. Um, It's not that they played the most games in the league, I think. Let me double-check that, actually. Um, It's not that they played the most games in the league. They're actually uh, third. They played 23. The Celtics and Suns have each played 24. So the Magic will be joining that group today with playing the most games in the league. But they're not... They haven't played an abnormally large amount of games. But they've been pretty bunched up. There hasn't been a lot of practice time. There hasn't been a lot of those multiple days off, especially during this losing streak. I think think that is a big key. The, the, The only time the Magic had multiple days off during the losing streak was when they came back home from the West Coast and then had two days off before the Jazz game. Next week, the Magic will get that opportunity to really get into practice and have multiple days of practice to try and tighten some things up. So you build some confidence maybe this week with some—no with some. No offense to those teams, and, and the Magic got to focus on themselves, some easier opponents. There does seem to be an opportunity to increase and improve uh, on the team's record just because of the chance to practice, just because of the chance to kind of get back in the gym and get back to work a little bit. Injuries have also played a role. Let's not deny that. Orlando's been without Jonathan Isaac now for about 10 games. He should be coming back soon. He's back on the court in practice. Alfred Payton and DJ Augustin both missed time. Really, the season began to turn toward the negative when Alfred Payton went out, and then DJ Augustin went out, and the Magic only had Shelvin Mack as their point guard. There are big issues with this team. Uh, I think that you know I, I want to take the posture of of President Basketball Operations Jeff Weltman a little bit and say this is real. This was really a season about evaluating what the team had, and so. A lot of the, the maybe a lot of the conclusions that we had about some of the players that stayed over, you know, your Nikola Vucevic, your Evan Fournier, Alfred Payton, a lot of those conclusions pretty much remain the same. I think a lot of us saw, you know, Nikola Vucevic make some defensive strides, but understood that he was still limited. He made the three point he made the three point stretch, so now he's shooting threes and and shooting them at a decent clip. He's kind of cooled off a little bit of late. Uh, but his defense has taken a fall a little bit. And, and I would honestly say he's probably playing the worst defense uh, that I've seen him play, at least since he first came to the Magic. Um, and a lot of that's just because we expect more from him, because we know he can play at a higher level. And, and honestly, for the Magic to win, they need him to play at a higher level. But this conclusion's not new. The conclusion about Vucevic, you know, maybe padding his rebounding stats a little bit, um, that certainly uh, was was a storyline that existed um, but it's become more apparent now as he's moved further and further away from the basket, and, and doesn't get those off, those rebounding numbers. And fairness, Aaron Gordon's also stolen a lot of rebounds from him too in, in his quest for for boards and stats as well. So the conclusion—I mean, a lot of those conclusions are still the same. Evan Fournier, we know what he is, and the question is how how do the Magic move forward with these guys? But you know, a lot of a lot of people want to talk trades immediately. And, and we'll talk trades plenty. Uh, I've got a question in the queue here from um, Cicely Morgan asking, what players do you think are available for trade? The, the honest answer is the trade market doesn't really open up till December 15th. So we still have two more weeks until we can really begin seriously discussing trades and, and really diving into it. What players are probably going to be available? I think New Orleans Noel will be available uh, from Dallas. I think Jalil Okafor will be available uh, from Philadelphia if, if you want him. Um, I... I, I kind of get the sense George Hill from Sacramento might be available. That's a guy that I'm thinking about a little bit um, as, as far as a potential trade target, you know, uh, not that Sacramento would take Alfred Payton, but maybe they take DJ Augustin and, and be willing to, to use him as the veteran mentor for Darren Fox. I don't know. Um, and, and obviously George Hill and, and Frank Vogel have a, have a relationship already. Um, so that would be one that I might poke around for, um, especially because Sacramento struggling so much. Um, I think Hill would provide a lot of stability and veteran leadership to to a Magic team that desperately needs it. But that's what Sacramento thought, too. Um, I, I think that there, there are... I, I just don't think the trade market's fully developed yet to really say with certainty which players are going to be available and which players the Magic should chase after. Because the Magic are probably going to be trying to sell some guys, too. Like I said, Nikola Vucevic is probably someone that the Magic are possibly ready to move on from. Uh, they got a lot of guys that... I'm sure would have some interest. Uh, a a, a um, An Alfred Payton on an expiring contract might garner some interest. Uh, you know, before uh, if, depending on when Terrence Ross is due back, if he can get back before the deadline and, and, and prove himself a little bit, it wouldn't surprise me to see him on the market just because of his contract. Although I think Ross has played very, very well. Um, I'm sure the magical shop around Evan Forney, although I doubt they'll find any takers for him quite yet. So... Again, the Magic are kind of figuring out who they are and what they have and and what direction they want to go. I think when it comes to trades, and again, we'll get into this in a few weeks, it's more about what the Magic want. The Magic aren't just going to give guys away. I think they'd be willing to just let someone walk and get nothing for them if they don't get the right players and the right pieces and the right trade chips back in return. So the Magic and the front office, I think, are still very, very, very focused on the big picture, on the long term. I know there's a few other people that that Magic want to go after. Donald Hampton uh, writes, I would love to be able to get Brogdon from Milwaukee. So would 29 other teams. I don't think Milwaukee's trading him. I think they really like him uh, as their point guard moving forward or as their their main ball handler, I guess, next to Giannis Antetokounmpo um, and and with Eric Bledsoe as well. I don't know how long they they plan on keeping Bledsoe, but I I think Brogdon fits what they want to do really, really well. So the first quarter of the Magic season has been, a honestly, as as frustrating as the record is, as frustrating as the play has been, I think it has been really, really productive for the front office. They've seen that, A, this Magic team can succeed. They've seen them play at an extremely high level. They've seen them experience success. And I think that puts a lot of faith on Coach Frank Vogel. I think that puts a lot of faith in some of the players that, okay, we know this guy's a keeper. We know this guy we can keep. We know we can work with some of these pieces and make it work. Having said that, the losing streak has also revealed a lot. It's revealed a lot of the players' weaknesses that maybe we all knew, but they've definitely become much bigger as well. And they've revealed a lot of kind of the frustrations that we all know. Like, okay, how does this player deal with adversity? How do they respond in practice? That's a thing you can't always see when you're on the outside. And that's, I think, the thing that the management wanted to see and why they were still very conservative in the summer, not just because they had the little cap room to use, but why they didn't want to spin the roster over too much. I think through the first quarter of the season, we can say that this team is better than it was last year. I mean, even, I, I think their records are roughly the same as they were last year. I full, full, wholeheartedly believe this team is better than last year's team. And there are a number of reasons why. And I think that will prove itself over the course of the season. I think the Magic have more than 20 wins left in them. I I think the Magic probably have another 25 to 30 wins left in them. But this is also very much the team we thought it was at the beginning of the season. And so now those weaknesses are becoming apparent. And the second quarter of the season, the Magic will certainly try and find a way to either pave over those weaknesses or move on from them. A lot of you are asking what I think the Magic will need to, in, to take, take the next step or improve. That'll be the question I answer in the third part of our show uh, as I look forward to the second quarter of the season, which has already begun.
0: The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: But like I did last year, I do want to give recognition and name a first quarter MVP, someone who has really stepped up for the team. And I think you all can sense who it is. I'm an Evan Fournier fan. I liked Evan Fournier. I had him pegged as as the first quarter MVP for much of that first quarter of the season. But then he tailed off, and one player really continued to step up. And and I think it's clear at this point who the Magic need to be building around and who the Magic need to put their focus on. The first quarter MVP of the season is undoubtedly Aaron Gordon. The leap he has taken this season has been absolutely incredible. 19 points per game. 51.1% field goal shooting. Best of his career. 44% from beyond the arc, 60.3% effective field goal percentage, 75.6% from the foul line, 8.3 rebounds per game, 2.1 assists per game. There is not a statistic where Aaron Gordon is not averaging a career high right now. And the way he's taken over games, especially these last two games, even against Golden State, I thought he played some exceptional basketball. Against Oklahoma City, he was outstanding. Aaron Gordon is undoubtedly the MVP of the first quarter of the season. The fourth overall pick from the draft a few years ago has developed into, I would dare say, a potential all-star. And I I, I want to be very careful because I think we fell into that trap with Victor Oladipo. But I think the way Gordon plays and what Gordon does is much more sustainable. And and honestly, I'd be uh, looking at what Aaron Gordon's done this year compared to what Victor Oladipo did in his final year with the Magic. I would be willing to pay Aaron Gordon the max when I wouldn't be willing to pay Victor Oladipo the max. And I think the reason is because I think Aaron Gordon is just a much more dynamic, consistent offensive player, at least this year, this one year of evidence. And I think Aaron Gordon's defense is just significantly better. The skills that he provides at his position are much more valuable than the skills that Oladipo provided at his position. Now, obviously, Victor Oladipo has gone on to bigger and better things. And looking at just the first quarter of the season, I would pay Victor Oladipo the max if, if, he were, if, if I believed that that was going to be consistent. Um, I don't think that was the case two years ago when he was with Orlando. So let's push that aside for now. Aaron Gordon is just doing his work. He's gotten a lot better at picking his spots when to shoot. He's gotten a lot better, even as the season has gone on, at determining when to drive and how to drive against the defense. He has just become such a better player. He's a such a different player than he was last year. And I agree with, with so many people here. That the magic need to find a way to emphasize him. They need to find a way to get him as involved in the offense as they can, and sometimes they don't do that because Gordon. Gordon is what I really like about Gordon, and I agree with with Coach Frank Vogel about this. Gordon. Ten, Gordon can get his offense within the flow of the system, but that means sometimes he gets forgotten because they don't get him the ball enough. Some of you are noting. Uh, Donald Hampton writes: Aaron Gordon is playing pretty good, but he is shooting way too many threes. I think he would be better if he tackle more instead of settling for so many threes. Um, you know, I've gotten, I've asked the question about the three pointers, about the whole team in general. Um, I'm planning to write a post on it. I'll probably talk about it on Lockdown Magic, uh, in the near future. Um, but it's more about the quality, not the quantity. Yes, Aaron Gordon is shooting a lot of threes. He's up to five, five and a half three pointers per game. But if the guy is shooting 44% from beyond the arc, I don't mind him taking a few threes. Gordon is a good three point shooter. Let's, let's. We're a quarter of the way through the season. A guy who's never shot better than 30% from beyond the arc is shooting 44% from beyond the arc and shooting comfortably. What matters to me when I see Aaron Gordon shoot is, A, is he shooting on balance? Is he is he falling this way? Is he falling that way? Or is he going straight up and down? That's usually a good indication of whether Gordon is, is going to make a three-pointer. Two, the thing that I worry about with Aaron, the thing that I watch with Aaron Gordon is, is he contesting three-pointers? Is he settling for threes? And generally, I don't think he is. I think not. I think teams don't quite respect his three-pointer enough yet. And so he is still getting the benefit of a lot of open space from the three-point line. Teams are not scrambling to cover him on the three-point line. So, so I mean, he's shooting 40% from beyond the arc. And yeah, five and a half sounds like a lot. But the guy's taking 13 shots per game. If anything, and I'll agree with you here, Donald, If anything, the Magic need to get Gordon the ball more in positions inside the arc where he can score. The thing I don't like seeing Gordon doing is taking guys off the dribble. That's when he forces a lot of his offense. That's when he really struggles to to, to score and create for himself. But at the same time, what I don't mind about that is he is a young star trying to figure his game out. And so he deserves some room to experiment, is, is how I would put it. What I want to see Gordon improve on as the season goes on, and I suspect that he will be second quarter MVP, third quarter MVP. I I suspect he will end up the season as the best player on Magic, as the team MVP. But what I want to see Gordon do more is recommit himself to the defensive end. I think we've seen that the last two or three games where Gordon has been a much bigger presence on the defensive end. Um, I think putting him on perimeter, guys, helps him out a lot. I think that he's really, really strong in that area. Um, So it's definitely a... A big, big question. I think Aaron Gordon is absolutely the MVP of the first quarter of the season. I think he has been a revelation. He's been one of the best players, and I think the Magic need to do everything they can to build around him right now. Uh, if if that means you got to get rid of Evan Fournier because Evan Fournier wants the ball too much or, or needs the ball too much to be successful, I think that's a fair thing to, to ask right now. Maybe you don't need to do it immediately. I don't think that's an immediate issue. There are much more immediate issues than that. But you need to find ways to Get Aaron Gordon the ball, keep Aaron Gordon involved and and really let him explore his game and let it grow because it's growing really, really well. Adding that three point shot was absolutely, absolutely a guy who um absolutely a guy who has just taken a leap and, and, and has and has really developed his game and, and, and you gotta give him credit. Being healthy first summers finally allowed him to unleash his game and, and make all the improvements that, that he needed to make. So a really, really, really great effort from Aaron Gordon so far this year. He is definitely my my first quarter MVP. I, I don't think it's particularly close um, on on that front. Uh, you know, I, I think I'm seeing some comments here. Gordon is playing great, but not translating to team wins. Um, you know, you know it, it. It's true. That is true. Um, but I don't know if you can put that on Aaron Gordon. When you look at some of his his stats for the team, uh, they read really really well. You know his, his you know for a team that is one of the worst defensive teams in the league, his defensive box plus minus is zero. So essentially, he is an I mean it, that, that statistic means he's an average defensive player. But considering how poor the Magic are defensively, I would think that puts him among the top players on the team in defensive box plus minus according to Basketball Reference. Let me check that real fast for you here. Uh, according to basketball references, defensive box plus minus metric. Jonathan Isaac is the top player defensively at 2.0. Bismack Biyombo is 1.3. Nikola Vucevic is 0.9. And Aaron Gordon and Terrence Ross are at 0. So only five players are positive defensive players on this Magic team. There's some really negative ones. Maurice Spates is minus 4.4. DJ Augustin's is minus 2.7. Jonathan Simmons is surprisingly minus 2.6. So, I mean, with defensive box plus minus, you got to take... A little bit of the good with the bad, um, you gotta kind of match the eye test with with what the numbers saying. And so I would say, I would say Aaron Gordon hasn't played fantastic defense this year individually, uh, but he definitely I think makes a positive impact defensively. And so um, you know I I don't put you know maybe a better metric would be win shares. Um, you know if you look at win shares for this team, Aaron Gordon leads the team in win shares at two point five. Um, I would I would say that yes, Gordon is playing really well and and it's not translating to wins. But I I don't think you can blame that on Aaron Gordon. Um, you know I don't think you can put that on Aaron Gordon because essentially, essentially he's not the star of the team. Let's 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 put it that way. Okay, Aaron Gordon is leading the team in scoring, probably the best best player on the team. But the Magic don't run their offense through him. Not yet, at least. And I think we're getting to a point where the Magic need to start doing that more and more. I mean, he's really gotten good at that short jumper. Um, You know, when he makes a quick move and pulls up for a jumper, he's really, really good at that. Um, He's getting better off of curls, which I think is really, really scary. Um, You know, kind of using him the same way that, that Terrence Ross was is used. Um, I, I, I think that there's a lot to like about Aaron Gordon and a lot to like about the team moving forward um, with him as the focal point. And I think the Magic are getting to a point where... They need to start moving some pieces around him more to make sure that he's getting the opportunities that he needs. And, and honestly, maybe one of the big questions through the second quarter of the season is how do the Magic continue this Aaron Gordon train going? How do they keep him involved? How do they keep him consistent? And do they give him the keys at this point? Do they say, you know, this is your team. We're going to run plays specifically for you. You need to be a better... You, now let's see if you can be a better playmaker in addition to a better score. And I think that's going to be the next step in this game. Um, like I said... I think some of the struggles that we're seeing with Aaron Gordon are acceptable because he's a young player trying to explore his game. Uh, you know, I, I use the Victor Oladipo example. I think the magic, I think what led to the magic's decision to get, to give up Oladipo was a, I think they were trying to save Vucevic um, for better or for worse. Um, they saw an opportunity to get a rim protecting center, which is something they desperately needed. And and, and then they doubled down on that for some reason, but I think what ultimately led to getting rid of Oladipo was they did not want to pay him the max, which is what he would have cost. And they had given him every opportunity to take that leap that he never took. Aaron Gordon only has had this one year to take that leap. And it's going to be expedited. So now I think the Magic need to throw more at him. Say, okay, you've done really great this quarter of the season with the role we've asked you to play. Now we're going to add this responsibility for you. We're going to add this role for you. Now that might take away from say an Evan Fournier or from from someone else, but they need to just give Gordon more responsibility, and I think that's going to be one of the big things to watch in the second quarter of the season: is how much responsibility do the Magic give Aaron Gordon to let him shine and really see what they have in him, so they can get a proper evaluation. I I right now, if Gordon continues playing this way, I would be willing to match any offer for him in restricted free agency. I don't think that's an I don't think that's a question at this point. I uh, I think what Gordon is doing while I, maybe the three point shooting is not sustainable everything else is. He runs the floor really well. When he want, I mean when he start starting to play defense a little bit better, he's playing defense a little bit better. Yeah, he's stat chasing a little bit especially with rebounds, but he's been a, I think he's the best rebounder on the team. So I think right now Aaron Gordon is your future and I think getting that question answered in the first quarter of the season is a really really big deal. And so that's why Aaron Gordon is my most valuable player for the first quarter of the season for the Orlando Magic.
0: The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up-to-date. Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast
1: Network. Your team every day. There are plenty of other questions to get to in the second quarter of the season. Uh, Obviously, Aaron Gordon's a big one. I think watching whether this team can can bounce back with the schedule lightening up and be consistent and make a playoff push is another big question for this team. Uh, One that they'll have to answer. Um, and honestly, I think by the end of the next, by the midpoint of the season, we'll know if the Magic are going to be able to make a playoff push, and we'll know exactly, uh, exactly what direction they need to go. But the big question that everyone has, I see it multiple times on my on, on the comments here, so I want to get to it. I want to spend lots of time on it. Is how do the Magic improve? Like I said, I think any trade that gets made this year is going to have a long-term focus. I don't think the Magic are looking for any win-now moves. Maybe come the deadline, if the Magic are a game out of the playoffs, maybe they bite it a little bit um, and, and try and try and bring in a veteran or bring in someone that will help them make the playoffs. I suggested George Hill earlier from Sacramento because Sacramento will not be in the playoff race by all accounts. Um, they're, I think, the worst team in the West. They're 7-16. and 16. They're five games out of the playoffs right now. So they, they need to go on a crazy run, um, I think, to make it. I, I don't think anyone anticipates Sacramento being in the playoff hunt. But... I think even that move has to have a long-term focus on it. The Magic can't take on a big salary. They got plenty of those without at least sending out one of their big salaries. The Magic have to create some financial flexibility so that they can begin implementing Jeff Weltman's plan. So I think anyone the Magic bring in, that that player is going to have some role in the Magic's future. Having said that, there are definitely some needs, and I think everyone kind of senses them. Donald Hampton writes, I think point guard and rim protection are major issues. I feel like the Magic are strong on the wings. Um, You know, Cicely Morgan asks, what do you feel the Magic need? Um, Donald also adds, if Magic needs a playmaking point guard, you can make shots and a rim protector. Rim protecting big, busy Bionbo can't do it. I'll disagree, and I'll I'll talk about that in a moment. Um, the, The rim protecting big and point guard play are definitely big issues, and then obviously those are going to begin to get solved because Alfred Payton is a restricted free agent. It wouldn't surprise me if the magic shop him around at the deadline. I know there's a lot of fan frustration with, um, there's a lot of fan frustration with Nikola Vucevic right now. Um, his defensive weaknesses are as apparent as they've ever been. Uh, so it's, it's definitely, um, it's definitely a, an issue that the Magic have to resolve, and, and I think we've known this for several years. And I think you know I saw this on on, on Orlando Magic Reddit, and, and I thought it was a really good point, and something that maybe we didn't consider enough in the Hennigan years. Um, Nikola Vucevic put up numbers; he's probably the best player on the Magic for a while. And so the 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 instinct was to let's scheme around Nikola Vucevic's defensive weaknesses. And and you know I love Nick. Nick Nick's a good guy. Um, you know we you know I, I I'm definitely a defender of his. But it's also very clear that there there may not that that he puts a ceiling on your team because of his defense. Defense at center is the most important thing, and I've said this for years. I'd rather have a center who plays defense and doesn't score than a center who scores and doesn't play defense. You can get scoring from elsewhere. Defense is really the key, and, and it's you know it's no surprise that even as bad as Bismack Biyombo has played in his two years with the Magic, it's no surprise that. There is now a call to start Biombo over Vucevic because Biombo has played really, really well. I just, dis- I know, honestly, Donald, I disagree. I think Biombo has been a fantastic room protector. I don't know if he's ready to play starters' minutes. I, I think the reality with Biombo, contract aside, the reality with Biombo is he's a very good backup center and he's played very well for the Magic this year. Um, you know, Ricky, our Ricky Skrika over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com wrote a fantastic article breaking down how Biombo has improved on the defensive end this season. There's no doubt he has. So, obviously, the Magic have room to grow and have room to kind of take another step defensively, and I think Biombo is at least a stopgap answer. I know there's been some people hitting me up on Twitter saying... Uh, saying, oh, the Magic should go after DeAndre Jordan, and and maybe that is an option too. I I don't see the Magic having anything the Clippers would want. The Magic are not giving up a first-round pick for a guy that is possibly going to become a free agent this summer. Um, But, you know, that's the kind of conversation I think the Magic will be having and should be having to try and improve their defensive presence at center. Um, You know, I I think, you know, unfortunately, these things do kind of run their course. Uh, Vucevic has been great for the Magic. He is a loyal Orlando player. He loves this city. Um, I think he wants this team to do well, but he's entrenched as a starter. I don't think he. Ex- I don't think he would accept coming off the bench at all. Well. And he does a lot of really good things offensively, um, even though his three-point shot hasn't been consistent of late, and his scoring numbers have been down a little bit. He does keep the ball moving, and I do think Frank Vogel values that. And I do think there is a big risk in starting Biombo because you lose a lot of that offensive fluidity. More guys have to have to step up their offensive game, and, and again. Maybe that's how you give Aaron Gordon a little bit more responsibility on that end by shifting some some roles around and now Gordon has to take more shots. But at the same time, I think it's also very clear that uh, that Vucevic has kind of run his course, that the Magic have kind of hit their ceiling with Vucevic as the starting center, uh, and, and that is a place that the Magic are going to have to address. I, I don't see Jeff Weltman and co. holding on to Vucevic past the, his contract expiration at the end of next season. I, I just think that's the reality. And so when you come to that conclusion, you start looking for ways to cash in. The Magic are not going to get equal value. I don't think the rest of the league sees Vucevic as a starter because of all those things. And so the Magic are going to have to look to improve that center spot. Point guards the same way. Honestly, two most important positions on the floor. Um, Alfred Payton is a little bit more passable. I think that he is playing okay, pretty well. Um, But it's clear that there's also, you know, he he doesn't take the team to another level. He kind of is what he is. Um, and you know maybe some of the other pieces are are, are the issues there too, but uh, Peyton, it's 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 tough to have Peyton on the floor sometimes, um, and his consistency hasn't been great. So um, definitely definitely something that I think the Magic will continue to explore a storyline that's going to continue through the second half of the second quarter of the season here. How do the Magic handle their center position? Do they emphasize defense and move Vucevic to the bench, or do they? stick with Vucevic and, and try and find a way to scheme around it. And I think that's that's gonna be the difficult part because even though there are definitely some metrics suggesting Vucevic has been fine defensively, you watch him play and it's like he is just not getting where he needs to go, needs to be defensively and, and, and not playing at the high level that, that the magic need. Uh, Mark NG writes Do you think Shelvin Mack is on the trade block feel like feels like he's hurting the offense whenever he's on the floor. Um, you know this goes for Mario Azonia too. They're both expiring contracts. They're not players anyone is looking for. Um, Shelvin Mack just isn't playing enough to make an impact one way or another right now. Um, so I, I think that the Magic are perfectly fine keeping him for now or letting him walk in, in the summer because it's the second year of his contract is non-guaranteed. Or they're fine trading him or adding him as a as a secondary piece in a trade. Remember, um, Mack makes about $6 million a year. That could be a valuable trade piece. Let's say the Magic... End up trading Nikola Vucevic. Nikola Vucevic only makes about twelve million dollars a year. So if the Magic are bringing in a player of any significance, um, they will. Uh, if the if the Magic bring in anyone of, of, of any significance, that means they will bring. In, they will probably need to tr- add another salary. Mario Zonia makes five million dollars. Shelvin Mack makes six. Adding those salaries on, like that's where his value is right now as as an asset. Um, if the the Magic are not going to be able to trade Shelvin Mack for anyone they'll be trading shelvin Mack with someone if that makes sense uh so i want to i want to make sure that part is clear um let's see you know i think you know I, I think i think we're hitting a lot of the issues that i'm seeing in the comments i'm trying to, to to catch up on comments here uh donald hampton thank you for all the comments donald i really appreciate it uh when it comes to individual players i think the lack of wins is more to do with peyton and vucevic not gordon not trying to pick on them just an observation I think that's true. I think um, Evan Fournier is kind of... I'm an Evan Fournier fan. I like him. Uh, I think he's better than people give him credit for, but he, his, his efficiency has gone down a lot. Um, you know, I think having him be the focal point of the offense is still not the right move. I'd like to see him move more off the ball. Um, so I think that that would, be, um, uh, that would be kind of where it goes from there. Uh, another question that I saw, and I think this will actually be a big issue for the second quarter of the season... Um, do you think, uh, Jasmine Hawkins asks, do you think when Isaac comes back, we start seeing Aaron playing a small forward again when Isaac plays with him? Um, you know, I think ultimately the plan, uh, not maybe not this year, but, but I think everyone knows it's coming, the Isaac-Gordon pairing. Uh, I think ultimately the plan is for Isaac and Gordon to play together a lot and start eventually in the future. Uh, and then in that sense, neither are small forwards or power forwards. They're both forwards. Um, you know, I... I that is a kind of jokey statement because that's something Aaron Gordon said. That's something Rob Hennigan said for a long time. But at the same time, uh, I think there's some truth to it. Aaron Gordon to me is a, is a bit of a tweener uh, uh, in that, and I've said this for a very, very long time. It's why I love the Tobias Harris ter- pairing. Aaron Gordon plays offense better as a four, but defense better as a three. Tobias Harris played offense better as a three, but defense better as a four. And so I thought that pairing really, really worked. The thing that's great about Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac is they're both versatile defensively. They can both kind of switch between positions on defense. They can both guard fours. They can both guard threes. I think Isaac's probably a little bit better at guarding fours at the moment, um, even though he's, he's he's a little smaller, but he's, he's a much better rim protector than Gordon is. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I don't think the position matters so much. But you don't want to see Aaron Gordon trying to break guys down off the dribble. That's just not a part of his game yet. And he, and, and, and Gordon kind of gets starstruck a little bit when you give him the ball out there and tries to do a little bit too much. What I think has been really good about the way Gordon has played lately is he hasn't done that as much. The isolations are down. He's moving the ball a lot better. Um, he's attacking at the right moments. Of what, when he gets stuck, he doesn't try and force it. He, dishes it, he spins back out and, and pushes it back out to the perimeter. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think there's a position, you know, when Isaac and Gordon are out there, they're just both forwards. They can just interchange so easily. And I think that's the advantage of having both of them. Um, you know, as I said, when, when the manager were first thinking of making lineup changes, if Isaac were healthy, I would have started Jonathan Isaac over Terrence Ross and, and had um, Isaac again, because defense is what's the matter with this team. So I, I'm thinking defense and I think Isaac provides a little bit more offensively than Biombo does, obviously. Uh, So I think that Isaac would fit that lineup really, really well because he kind of just stays out of the way, make sure everyone else gets their shots. Uh, So I I, I think that, you know, I I wouldn't have said this at the beginning of the season, but I think we will see Isaac become a regular starter at some point this season. Um, It obviously won't happen right when he gets back from injury because he'll be just getting back from injury, and I don't think they trust a rookie enough quite yet to handle that. But once he gets into rhythm, if the Magic hit a rough patch, I think that's the move you go to, and I, I, I would suspect that that's... That's a, a a a move that the Magic think of making. Uh, so you know, I think Isaac is definitely uh, definitely a guy that um, that that <laughs> keeps going. Um, another big question uh, for the Magic, I think, for the second quarter of the season is can they sustain the offense? Uh, we know last year they were a really poor offensive team. This year they're twelfth in the league in offensive efficiency, and so you know, when I say the Magic should start Bismack Biyombo to improve the defense, there's definitely a big risk. I mean, Donald, you, you make a good point on offense. It is 4-on-5 with Biyombo out there. It's not so much that he can't score. He can't even catch the ball or pass it. We need something there. Um, yeah, and that's absolutely the risk. Uh, Vucevic does make the offense go. I mean, he's a great passer as a center. They run some offense through him at the elbow as a passer. Um, and, and, and I think that's why we haven't seen that lineup change yet. I think a lot of people are frustrated with Vucevic's defense. But... He makes the offense go, and the offense is, is generally working. I mean, if the Magic could just defend with any level of consistency or intensity for 48 minutes, they would do enough to win games. They would do more than enough to win games with the way that their offense works, especially with how it works feeding off their defense. When the Magic defense is playing well, the Magic offense is really, really tough and really, really good. When the Magic's defense is struggling, as it has been lately, the Magic offense is about league average, which it should be good enough to keep you in games, but the Magic's defense has been so bad, it hasn't been. And so there is that disconnect. And that's, I mean, I think the reason why we haven't seen uh, Biombo start over Vucevic is because of uh, because of the, uh, the contributions Vucevic does make on the offensive end. There might be a point where that balance shifts or, or Vogel decides, you know, I, I, can't, I can't, you know, I, I believe that this offense will still work without Vucevic in there. Um, there will come that point but I don't know if we're there yet. I I, I don't think we're quite there yet. Um, obviously, the coach doesn't think so, and he's the only opinion that matters. So, a lot of questions that come up in the second quarter of the season. Uh, again, I think the big ones are: Can Aaron? Gordon, can the, will the Magic turn things over to Aaron Gordon? Can the Magic find some consistency with the lighter schedule? Stay in the playoff push? Uh, can you know where? What direction will the Magic go as far as uh, how the trade market develops? Um, I think those are three big questions of what will happen when Jonathan Isaac comes back, what contributions can he bring. That's a big fourth question for the Magic. And so obviously there's a lot still to watch in this second quarter of the season as Orlando gets set to, you know, this is where this is where the good teams will get separated from the bad teams in this quarter. I mean, it's by, by the midway point of the season, you know who's in it and who's out of it. And so the Magic have to keep pace and the Magic have to make a little bit of a push here in December if they're going to stay in this playoff race and, and stay – in contact with the leaders because obviously the rest of the season gets tough. Um, You know, it it is worth noting the Magic play the most road games of any team in the league in the first half of the season. So really, if the Magic are in touch, if the Magic are are very close to the the pack, or very close to to that last playoff spot, come game 41, if they can keep some confidence, if they can keep some momentum and kind of survive this early part of the schedule, like maybe they have or haven't, depending on your perspective this year, um the second half of the season might give them an opportunity to make a run and make a push. Um, there is plenty to like about this team. there's plenty to be concerned about this team in the first quarter of the season. Um, and I think a lot of that has um, a lot of that has developed and given the front office some good clues on how to improve this team for the long term. In the short term though, the magic just need to keep focusing on themselves, keep finding ways to get better internally, keep finding ways to, to just continue to to stay in this race, continue to find wins, continue to play well, and um, and 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 hopefully this, the defense comes around. I mean if the defense doesn't come around then yeah, Vogel's gonna have to make some changes at some point. But first quarter of the season, I wouldn't call it a success, but I wouldn't call it a failure either. I think I think you give the magic let's say a, a B minus or a C plus for their first quarter of the season. If anything just because they raised expectations so so much higher um, I still believe the expectation is make the playoffs with this team. Um, I think that is absolutely the standard that we should hold them to. Uh, and right now, they are on the outside looking in, so you can't call it a complete success. But at the same time, they're kind of right where we thought they would be, maybe a little bit better than we thought they would be. Uh, so really, the question is, how do you respond to this first quarter of the season? How do you build off of the successes that you had? How do you improve on your weaknesses? That's what the second quarter of this season is going to be about and what we'll be watching as we get to game 40, from game 21 through 41, here in this NBA season. I hope you enjoyed the Facebook Live portion of the show. This is Philip Rossmanreich, the host of Orlando Ma- or the host of Locked On Magic, and the site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com, coming to you f- from the future or the past or something. Uh, the Facebook Live, of course, recorded Sunday afternoon. It is now Monday morning. And the Orlando Magic played a game on Sunday afternoon against the New York Knicks, so I wanted to quickly recap that game for you to close out today's show. Uh, Obviously, the Orlando Magic have needed a little bit of a boost. They've been waiting for the schedule to lighten up a little bit, and it's not that the Knicks are a bad team or anything. They're 8th in the Eastern Conference, after all, entering this game, and 500 basketball teams, so they're ahead of the Magic in the standings, but they're certainly not the Golden State Warriors, they're certainly not the Oklahoma City Thunder, they're certainly not any of the major teams that the Magic have played in the last few weeks, and it felt like the Magic could breathe a little sigh of relief, especially with Kristaps Porzingis out, and he missed the game with a sprained ankle, and with Tim Hardaway Jr. out with a leg injury. So the Magic get a little bit lucky, with the, not only with the schedule, but also with the opponent losing, losing their two top scores, and so the Magic definitely came into this game probably feeling like they could go in and run, run the show a little bit, and... You know, even though the score was close, a 105-100 victory for the Magic, and even though the Knicks, I thought, played extremely well, extremely scrappy, there was a lot to like about what the Orlando Magic did. In fact, I would argue the Orlando Magic controlled this game for much of the contest and and really put the clamps down when they had to. There was a lot, again, uh, Nikola Vucevic said in his walk-off interview with Dante Marcatelli after the game, There's a lot more to like in this game than there was to hate, and I would absolutely agree with that. The Magic, I thought, played a, not a great game, not an A game, but certainly a B, B B-minus game that they won, and ultimately, that is what matters. The Orlando Magic opened this game up a a little bit rusty, an early timeout from Frank Vogel, and then all of a sudden the light switch clicked and the magic just ramped things up. They went from 0 to 100 very very quickly in this game and Orlando got out uh, to a 17 point lead and and you know I think Aaron Gordon said after the game that this is that the magic offense is really starting to play like it did at the beginning of the season and certainly that that early stretch in the game was a big reason why and, and it wasn't just that the it wasn't that the magic were making shots necessarily. They were making shots but They weren't making three-pointers. They were getting out in transition. They were getting stops. This is how the Magic want to play. That did, obviously, lighten up a little bit. The Knicks did slowly work their way back into the game. I think Orlando very clearly has a little bit of a bench problem right now with Terrence Ross out of the lineup and with Jonathan Isaac out of the lineup. Orlando's missing some key pieces, and the bench unit just is not quite... Uh, is not quite up to snuff yet. It, it, it's still getting its legs under it. It's still figuring things out. Vogel's using a nine-man rotation. We're seeing Jonathan Simmons play a lot with that second unit, but the, he hasn't quite been enough. And the magic going with Marie Spates and Bismack Biombo in the same front court um, has had its ups and downs all year, and it was definitely a down in this game as, as Marie Spates really struggled to shoot the ball effectively uh, in this one. So the Knicks do work their way back into the game, and, and Orlando, and then it'd be, it's really a close affair, but Orlando keeps a lead. I thought in the fourth quarter, every time New York was about to make a run, Orlando started buckling down on defense. They got stops, they made big shots. I mean, Aaron Aflalo made only one shot in this game as he continues to struggle to shoot, but it was a big one. A 30 foot three pointer with the shot clock expiring gave the Magic a four point lead. Knicks came back, cut it back down to two. What, what happens in the next possession? Jonathan Simmons with a put with a thunderous put-back dunk to put the Magic back up. The starters come back in. They actually extend the lead back out to 10. Nikola Vucevic with some great play around the basket. Did a great job rolling on pick-and-rolls. Didn't settle for jumpers for the first time in a long time. Made a big three as well in the fourth quarter uh, as he had a stellar game for Orlando. I really thought, actually, on both ends, I thought he did some good things defensively against Ennis Cantor. although Cantor still got some of his rebounding numbers as well. So, a lot to like in this game, as Vucevic said, as, as I would argue there too. Um, the Magic had control early. They kept control. Even if even when New York pushed for the lead, they, they pushed it back out. New York made one last run. Orlando made their free throws, and they walk away with the 105-100 to 100 victory over the New York Knicks at Madison Square Garden. Running through some final stats for you. Uh, again, Nikola Vucevic, a stellar game. 34 points, 12 rebounds, 13 for 19 shooting, 7 for 7 from the foul line. Um, This is the kind of game you want from Nikola Vucevic. The only thing he did wrong was fouls. He had five fouls in the game. Defensively, he's what he is defensively. But when Vucevic has offensive games like this where he cannot miss, he makes the offense work that much better. He also added three assists, which is a big thing that Frank Vogel likes about him. He keeps the ball moving for the most part, um, uh, especially at that center position. So... The Magic offense worked really well. It was playing through Vucevic. He was making good decisions. Uh, He was making shots, and and his value obviously goes up infinitely when he's making shots like like he was on Sunday. A lot of his shots actually came in the paint, too, which I thought was a really good sign. He took Enes Kanter into the paint. You know, Enes Kanter is very similar to Vucevic. Great offensive player, not a great defensive player. Vucevic took advantage of that, and that's exactly what you want to see. Jonathan Simmons had 16 points, 7-for-14 shooting, 7 rebounds. A a solid game for him, really picked up his play in the fourth quarter. Evan Fournier, 20 points, 5-for-12 shooting, 4 assists for Fournier. Alfred Payton, 15 points. Aaron Gordon, 10 points. Uh, Key stat, though, the Magic had only 10 points on 2-for-15 shooting off the bench. Maurice Spates misses all 6 of his shots. Aaron Aflalo made only 1 shot. DJ Augustin made only 1 of his 5 shots. The Magic are going to need more from their bench to survive some of these late games. They're relying very heavily on their starters, but they got a good effort from them in this game. For the uh, Orlando overall, though, shoots 45.1% from the floor and 6 for 28. That's 21.4% from beyond the arc. They get to the line 29 times, made 25. That is a huge difference in this game as the Magic offense really did kind of struggle a little bit. Um, having said that, this was the kind of game where maybe in the past Orlando let frustration get to them. They didn't, they 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 kind of put their heads down. They don't make the right plays defensively. That's not what happened today. Or that's not what happened Sunday. On Sunday, the Magic buckled down defensively. They made some fantastic plays. They uh took it. I mean, they took it to the Knicks. They they made the stops that they needed to make. They got out in transition. This is a sign of how the Magic want to play. So Yes, the opponent wasn't the strongest without Tim Hardaway Jr. and without Christoph Porzingis, but the win counts the same nonetheless, and the Magic learned a good lesson and got some, big, some confidence for themselves as they snap a seven-game road losing streak. Big win for the Magic. Uh, I don't care who the opponent is. Again, it, they all count the same. Uh, the Magic showed a lot of grit, which they haven't shown very much in recent games. They gutted one out on the road, which is absolutely necessary for this team. So I thought a very strong, a very good effort for the Magic on Sunday and a well-deserved win. For the top scores for the Knicks, Michael Beasley, 21 points. Courtney Lee, 19. Ennis Cantor, 18 points. 16 rebounds for the Knicks. They shoot 46.2% from the floor, 33.3% from beyond the arc. Your advanced numbers in this game, uh, I, I don't think this, these are advanced numbers, but that's where they're categorized. Orlando with a 106.3 offensive rating, pretty solid number, that's above average for them. And... More importantly, a 98.6 defensive rating. And I'll give credit where credit is due. Every While the bench struggled to score and they were terrible on offense, every bench player for the Magic, including Jonathan Simmons, who played largely with the bench unit, had a defensive rating better than 100. So the Magic, essentially, when that bench was on the floor, gave up less than a point per possession, Give that group credit for that. Let's let's worry about the production. Let's worry about the offense for sure. But give that group credit for getting stops on the defensive end. They were very strong defensively as the Magic get the win. Once again, the final score, the Orlando Magic 105, the New York Knicks 100. The Magic are back in action on Monday against the Charlotte Hornets. We'll have a complete recap of that game on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Magic. Don't forget, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Magic as well as likes on Facebook at Locked On Magic. You can f- subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. Of course, don't forget to check out the Orlando Magic Daily Facebook Live every Sunday at noon. You heard earlier in the episode my first quarter recap. You can interact with me live uh, uh, every Sunday. Ask me questions. You know, kind of get my opinion and my takes on things. Uh, Every Sunday at noon on the Orlando Magic Daily Facebook Live. You can check that out at Facebook.com slash Orlando Magic Daily. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to follow Orlando Magic You can do that on Twitter at omagicdaily. And of course, check out Orlando That's gonna do it for me. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic and the special Orlando Magic Daily Facebook Live for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic. This has been Philip Ross and Reich. I will see you all tomorrow on another episode of Locked On Magic.
0: You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your teams every day. Hey prime members,